Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And today we're here with Jenny Argy. And Jenny is founder and CEO of Baked at Home. And we're going to find out a little bit about her business and her, her story. And she's got some really exciting things going on. Jenny, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks for having me. So why don't we start? Because I always like to kind of hear how people kind of got into business, how they got into cannabis. Give people a sense of really what, what the story was. How did you find yourself founder and CEO of a cannabis business? All right. Awesome. So I think I might just go back a little bit before sure. before launching uh, Jenny's Baked at Home and start for maybe four or five years ago, I exited a company called Argington and I was the designer and manufacturer, the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. Started when my child was, when it was conceived mm-hmm. and it was going to, well, it's just going to start um, with maybe one or two products uh, designing furniture that I would want to use. And, and then it turned into a raging business after, <laughs> after I found out that the industry really didn't have anything that like I was doing. So yeah. a sort of new kid on the block and it was modern children's furniture and it was green and organic and it was ideal for small spaces. And it was, you know, good for city dwellers, New Yorkers, people in California had small spaces, but we had a, a design yeah. aesthetic. So that I did for 12 years. And I, I really learned what it was like to to have an idea for a product and then take it to market. So it's really important to understand my background and product and my passion for designing products. Yeah. So I was in business with my ex-husband. I exited, I separated from my ex-husband about three or four years ago. And I had started a couple different businesses that were in the children's space. And while doing that, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
And I started looking around it and it sort of went back to Argington when I got pregnant. I couldn't really find any furniture that was designed well and, um, and organic and wasn't filled with formaldehyde and all that good stuff. So I looked around for edibles that I could do it yourself kits that I could use while I was going through the treatment, the cancer treatment. Yeah. And so I couldn't find any healthy edibles, especially do it yourself kit, because in New York at the time, we weren't even medical yeah. when, I, when I was diagnosed. So I set out to design a baking mix that was gluten free, cacao chocolate, high protein. And then the really biggest part of it was that I could teach myself how to microdose. So I hadn't ever hmm. I hadn't used cannabis since I was in high school. Yeah. And cannabis has changed so much since the 80s yeah. from, you know, the THC content to it's just so much more sophisticated now on the grow end. Yeah. So I and I, I was like most of your listeners who who haven't really used a lot of cannabis. It was intimidated by by using cannabis because it just seemed such an extreme. Either yeah. I was going to be super high and out of control, or you know maybe I wasn't going to feel anything. So I, I wanted to be able to find the middle ground. So I designed this mix and um, and I started playing with it. I knew absolutely nothing about cannabis, mm-hmm. but I did know about product. And I, even though I came from a background, my grandfather owned, he was Greek and he owned restaurants and my brother went to the Culinary Institute in Hyde Park, New York and is a mm-hmm. chef. So food is, is something that's been very prevalent in my family. And I, I love to cook and never was really a big baker, but was a really big cook, uh, you know, more of a savory than sweet. Mm-hmm. But, but I started, I really started to dive into the, the nutritional aspect of how cannabis could, could help me. And my cancer progressed so fast that I ended up having a double mastectomy. And then I was told to go on a drug called tamoxifen. And the tamoxifen is a hormone replacement therapy, but has tons and tons of side effects. And I chose not to go on tamoxifen for five years and studied a lot about the research that was being done in Israel and some in Canada, but more in Israel on reducing cancer cells from an adhering to mass with a high CBD diet. Mm-hmm. And I might transpose hemp and CBD at times in this podcast because yeah. it's really just a euphemism now for CBD because of the federal law still yeah, prohibits okay. anything that comes from cannabis as you know so federally illegal. And so I would love to educate your listeners. If you do see hemp, ask you know, the manufacturer, what kind of hemp is it? Full spectrum hemp, meaning does it have 0.3 THC in it? And is it, is it being extracted from the flower, AKA the bud? Mm -hmm. Um, and that is what I do. All my products are full spectrum. So again, I chose to design products for my personal use, which, so every, every product I have, if it's a salve, it is for, because I suffer from eczema. Mm -hmm. So I, so our body has receptors both on our dermis and internally. So if you ingest cannabis CBD or hemp or THC, you're going to have a different effect. The hemp is going to slash CBD is is going to hit certain receptors and then the THC is going to hit other receptors. And that's sort of so, and maybe I'll go back here in a minute and talk about the different cannabinoids. Yeah, Um, I'm curious how, how, because I I love the story. I love the, the idea that, you know, taking what you've learned in a previous business, the idea around 
product and how do you design and kind of manufacture a product based on a target sort of quality and, and set of attributes and, and uh, product attributes you're going for and applying this to the cannabis market. But there's obviously there's a huge amount of knowledge around the science, around agriculture, around you know the, the medical pharmaceutical properties of this. How did you actually go about, I mean, you mentioned some of the research that you were reading from mainly Israel. I know Canada has some too, but how did you actually go about educating yourself and learning about the product and learning about the science and learning about the medicine? Because I think that's a big challenge for a lot of folks coming in the Canada space is how do I learn this stuff? What was your right, path? Right. I really am. I'm and telling you how I got from Argentine and, and there were other businesses I had probably done before that yeah. leading up to this. I am a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. I I don't believe that there's anything out there. If you want, if you're passionate about it, you will learn it. Yeah. You don't need a PhD in medicine. You don't need PhD in business or MBA. You just need to get into the, you know, get into the grid of it and start to learn it. So I, uh, I knew nothing about furniture. I would, I got my master's mm-hmm. in painting and sculpture. So I had a little sense, yeah. um, I got a little bit of sense of cooking so if you, it's really, and I tell the listeners above and beyond when people say, well, I want to get into the cannabis space. What do you think is the, the number one ancillary or, uh, or touching the plant product that you would do? Mm-hmm. And I say, it has nothing to do that with that. It has to do with what you're passionate and bring what you're passionate, whether that's, that's HR, whether that's accounting, whether that's uh, designing websites for, you will be passionate. If you want, if you trash about cannabis then pick what you're good at yeah. and then run with it. So how did I do it? I just, I literally just started reading and everything I could get my hands on. But at the same time, I outreached because I had done a business before. I wasn't intimidated about talking to everybody under the sun in the mm-hmm. cannabis space. I didn't care if you were Willie Nelson, I was going to walk up and talk to you or if you, yeah. or if, you know, or, or if you were a Senator. So I spent enormous amount of time doing in-home an in-home model, and I still do it, mm-hmm. uh, where I go to people's homes and I, in a very intimate setting, I educate people on how cannabis became illegal, the history behind it, where we are on a legal level, where it's going, and the, you know, and, and I put in, in quotes, the medical, because we're not FDA approved, yeah. attributes that it has. So doing that and reaching out to people, talking, like talk as much as you can. And that both being an advocate and just talking, people shared their stories and also shared their knowledge. And then there's lots of symposiums out there, lots of panels. So, you know, I would show up to some of those, but really getting out there and talking as much as possible. I mean, they have everything from where there's the Canada in New York, there's Canada gather events, there's women's grow, there's all sorts of events that are happening that you can go at a really affordable price and um, and learn more and talk. So that's how I got into it was setting up these in-home models and putting myself in the forefront of being an expert in the cannabis space, which meant I had to learn really fast. So what, and I like the idea that it's taking this intimate, small kind of gathering approach to being able to have the discussions and do some education. What are the common things that come up in those conversations in terms of the questions people have, I guess maybe the, the thinking that they have or the biases that they have that you, mm-hmm. you know, kind of work on. What are the, what are the big ones that come up in those, those gatherings? That's a really, that's an awesome question because, you know, it, we all probably have a preconceived yeah. 
notion of what people are going to, I mean, you and I are both parents. I have a 15 year old, a 13 year old and a 10 year old. These are, this is that, that age where it's a very sensitive topic to talk about drugs and you know, your mom is in the cannabis space. What kind of conversation do I have here? And I stand up in front of people that run the gamut from, you know, being maybe 25 years old to being 65 years old. Mm -hmm. So I have such a generation to, to speak to. And I would have thought now I would have thought that the younger generation would definitely be more accepting mm-hmm. and that we would have sort of this just say no to drugs, Reagan generation. And yep. I would really have to break through with kind of giving them how ludicrous it, it was that it became illegal and that it was purely politics and economics, you know, back in the in, you know, the in the early 1900s and that it had nothing to do with prohibition and all of the the stigma around it but that that actually people love to hear the story and they love to hear how marijuana got its name and all of that kind of stuff but that's just anecdotal and it's cute but they really want to know the the medical benefits yeah. that cannabis can have and so that's really in the end that's that's what I talk most about. I speak to how it can help as a sleep aid, how it can help for mm-hmm. eczema, how it can help for reducing inflammation, and and then overall how it can be a stress reliever in one's life. And in the end, that those are my products. My products are based around all of that right there. So I found that the people in these small settings dictated my products. So if I if I feel inflammation, I have knee surgery and all that, and inflammation is an issue for me, and I get tennis elbow and all that. So I I designed a product that was great for digestive and for inflammation, but people, I was going to do it for myself, but the more yeah. I talk to people, the more I realize that that's what they're looking for. So yeah, that, that I think that that it's a, it's a great kind of product development cycle that you have or opportunity to have, you know, actually getting out and talking with people, understanding where their mindset is, where their needs are, and then being able to develop, design and develop products based on what what you're learning from these intimate gatherings. Because it is, it's, it's kind of a conundrum in the, this cannabis space is, I mean, A, because there are, you know, all these kind of restrictions or at least, you know, difficulties in doing larger kind of market research and, and uh, data gathering, but also because of the stigma and because of the um, you know, pe- people's kind of resistance or, or hesitation to want to engage publicly in these kind of conversations. This intimate setting is a great way, I think, to to actually get that that market data, that customer data that you need to design these products. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no question. And you know, Bruce, you you and I both come from you know a business background yep. and uh, with, with being entrepreneurs, and we entered uh, probably in our last business or businesses entered a space that had history and um, we could definitely look back on numbers and trends and everything that had happened, even though that when I started Argentin, there was no, there was really not a modern, mini modern movement that had ever happened in the, but furniture had been made and children's furniture had been made, but this industry is brand new. So and we don't have, we don't know, we have to pivot every single week. We don't know from legislation Mm -hmm. to to, you know, farmers ability to grow and how to grow and, you know, whether we have a new a pest that's been introduced to, a, you know, a, a crop. Yeah. I mean, it's just literally I was I have my um, co-packers who manufacture most of my products are in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. 
and which is ironic because they're not a medical state, <laughs> uh, nor, nor, are they, nor are they a CBD-friendly state, yeah. nor are they recreational. Yeah. But because of Mitch McConnell, they are trying to transform the tobacco crops into yeah. cannabis crops. And I was with the farmers a few months ago. Um, you know, we, it was a sort of a, a symposium for farmers and growers. And, um, and, and the really, the, the, my big takeaway was, and this is coming from, you know, these are real generational farmers, is that we have lost 100 years in farming cannabis or yeah. over 100 years. So the, the technology combine can't mulch the plant because it gets the fibers destroy the blades and, and clog the combines. Yeah. yeah. So there's just little nuances, they're not little, but nuances yeah. like that, that, that they're not, they weren't prepared for, or they can't use the same pesticides. And we don't want to use pesticides on a product that we're using medically. Yeah. And we're touting it as a, as the new medical advancement. Mm-hmm. So we have a long way to go and the demand is is probably going to be higher than we can meet. So, yeah, so I, I definitely, yeah, th- this intimate setting and seeing what people want and, and how we can supply them is definitely, I think, instead of just coming up with a business plan that's already existed and then just plug it in, it's really need to talk yeah. about because it's, it's going to be very specific and we're going to have to be very careful. It's not going to be whether or not we use cannabis. It's going to be where we grow it and how we extract it. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit about as, as you've developed the business, as you've kind of made these pivots, what were some of the more challenging or, or interesting things that you learned and changes that you had to make as you went and, and as the business grew and as, as you kind of figured out where you were going to focus the product? How uh, I always find that every business has some crucible moments around uh, decisions they have to make, choices they have to make that become important to the direction. What has happened with you or what are the choices that you've had to make and how have you made them and, and how are they how have they been difficult? With my furniture company, I started out this is it's interesting. The, the first time I'm talking about this, I think from this perspective, I started out with a wood shop in Williamsburg. It was more Bushwick, uh, Brooklyn. And then as I grew, I would get new wood shops that were a little larger and I'd staff up. And this happened for about six to eight months. And eventually my my demand got so large that I had to go overseas, mm-hmm. both for cost and for for man, you know, volume, yeah. ma- mass production. Yeah. And and in this space, I my knowledge in product, I immediately went to co-packers. I went to you know somebody that can manufacture my product because of my knowledge. But in this industry, because it's a vertical space, I'm flipped. So if I want to ground myself and brand myself in a state, and I'm a, I'm 100% and was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri, but my feet landed here 17 years ago in Brooklyn, and I knew I was a Brooklynite yeah. from that time on. So I really consider myself a New Yorker. And to be able to be a cannabis New Yorker is really, really big for me. Yeah. I want. I think New York is going to be one of the leaders in the industry. We have great land to grow on from Long Island to upstate New York. We we definitely are liberal minded. We can make things happen. And I'm super excited to see where the industry goes in New York. And I want to be part of that. So I had to make the decision whether I was going to continue to be that sort of, and I'm not a middleman because I am the manufacturer, but 
to remove myself from what's kind of called seed to sale. So yeah. remove myself from the seed. And I thought I was, and I really wasn't that interested, even though it's another really kind of fun fact is that my uncle, I grew up in the summer times when I was little, my uncle had a cattle farm in Southern Missouri. Mm-hmm. So I was always around this, this farming lifestyle when, in the summer. So I thought, oh, you know, there's no way I'm going to get back to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and here I am, I applied for, um, about six months ago for a license to be a manufacturer of CBD in New York. And I was granted it. And they've only given, I think right now in my category is only 29 licenses. And so I now will start working directly with the farmers. So my really big goal now is, I guess, sort of the new phrase is not farm to table. What is it? It's it's, it's soil to mouth. Yeah. So what's really important to me and in this space, and we're going to see a lot of Wild West stuff happening, yeah. is that what I can offer my customers is, just like I did with my furniture, pest, pesticide-free, uh, organic, and it meets every criteria. So almost like a, uh, what is it called? The um, what I, I'm trying to think of the name of it that they do in the, um, in the, in the wine industry where it's it, it's the top of organic. I'll think of it here in a minute. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so that to me is the most important part of what I have to offer and what I have to give. And so I think that that, that back to your original question is definitely, I was seeing myself on a path. I had a business plan and then I decided, you know, no, I think getting back to the root and working with the farmers and setting up manufacturing and being really uh, concentrated on New York manufacturing and I think that that would be the most important thing for me right now in business. And so I think the interesting thing about that is I think every business, particularly at early stage, struggles with these kind of choices. And that and, and I find the faster you want to grow and scale a business, the actual the more specific you need to become and the more focused you need to be on you know, both your customer and your product and what part of the kind of value chain you want to be focusing on in terms of applying value. And I think it's really interesting in this case, the, the geographical focus, because I do think, you know, geography is such a huge factor in this market right now. Where are you producing? Where are you? Uh, where are your customers? What part of the value chain are you going to play in will define a lot of where your restrictions are in terms of, you know, obviously the the, the federal and state legislation issues. So I think, I think that's great. So tell, tell us a little bit more in terms of where, where um, with this new license, with this ability to actually process product, where is your product strategy going? Where do you see the market going? I don't know if you have anything specific around New York, but you know, where do you see the cannabis world kind of heading over the next 12, 24 months? Things that you think we should be on the lookout for or keep an eye on. Well, so the world of CBD and the world of THC are yeah. so different. And, and I definitely think that to be on the lookout, I think within the next 12 to 24 months, we're going to see recreation definitely take a front seat in New York. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think right now we're, we're at a hemp initiative program. I think the license for me allows me to get ready to be able to say, I believe in whole plant. I believe in both using uh, CBD and THC for different needs and mm-hmm. different functions, whether even that's topical and, and there's no there's no intoxicating part of using the THC necessarily all the time. You can use it topically and, and hit the receptors differently uh-huh. than than using the CBD. So I think that I think we're going to see a, a push for recreation. And also we have a lot of states around us that are turning rec from mass to all sorts of different um, encroaching, you know, 
states on us for, for the legal legalization yep. full force. Yep. Um, so that's going to be an issue for New York. So be on the lookout for that. I think today I just heard that anybody in New York that had been prescribed opiates would have the right to be prescribed medical marijuana. Interesting. Yeah. So, I so and for what, what reason? What was their thinking? Is that it because it's it's a, a an effective, less addictive alternative? So, yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So that and it's non-addictive, like you said, yeah. and that we would we pref, we would prefer. And but you know, a lot of people don't know right now that dispensaries, your insurance doesn't cover. Yeah. any of the costs of, of the marijuana, of the cannabis itself, it just allows you the right to buy it. So you still are getting, you know, if you get an opiate prescription, it's paid for by your yeah. your insurance. So I think we're going to start to see a little bit. And that's, you know, having said that, that is going to start to force, I think, the, the insurance companies yeah. to take a look at this because people are going to say, you know, you, you're getting people hooked and we're giving an alternative and you're not paying for it. So then that, you know, brings up the question of our pharmaceuticals, you know, is big pharma going to come in to this industry faster than we thought it was and what kind of regulations are going to happen there? Yeah. Um, so for, for the license, for me, I, I separate myself from, even though I really believe in the health attributes of my product, mine is food focused. So mm -hmm. I'm not trying to compete with pharmaceutical. I'm just trying to say that I have a product that's lifestyle product yep. that you can use on a daily basis. It's easy. It's, um, it's, it's fun to use. And, and, you know, it's, it's a overall body change, whether that's you're using, uh, say, if you use my coconut oil, you're going to have a totally different effect than if you use my ginger tincture. And if you use these things, you know, over a period of time, maybe you'll have a, a different, different digestive system, or you'll have, you maybe you could reduce your sleep aid medication yeah. a little bit or that sort of thing. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I, if I'm an entrepreneur or a business person interested in getting into the cannabis space uh, or, I've, or I've started and I'm, I'm continuing to kind of find traction and grow my company, what advice, thoughts, suggestions would you give them that might help uh, you know, avoid some pitfalls and pratfalls in their path, th things that you've learned that you wish you kind of knew earlier in your process? Well, I, I think um – it's still so interesting that this industry, you know, the things you can and can't say because you're worried about. Like right now, I'm trying to launch on uh, one of my products on Amazon, and I had to relabel and we reword my website to say, and I I alluded to it earlier, hemp versus CBD. So. And sorry, it was what and what did you change it to? It was CBD. Okay. And then I changed all the verbiage to hemp. Huh. And I had to go, I had to go scrub that website so deep that there yeah. couldn't be an article yeah. that I had cited that mentioned CBD. Yeah. Amazon was completely fastidious about, they absolutely would not sell CBD products. They'll sell hemp, but they won't sell CBD. And we all know it's a euphemism. Yeah. So, and the same went for me getting a financial institution yeah. for my my order processing and for my banking. So if I had known this from the very beginning, I would have all of my literature would have said hemp. Mm -hmm. I would have educated people on the difference in industrial hemp and medical hemp. And I would have 
tried to come up with a, you know, my, my new approach to marketing mm. the, the, the plant, because in the end I had to change everything I am now. I now have an instant, you know, financial institution that mm-hmm. I bank with. I have an order processing, but I had to go through six months to a year or, or two years of, of jumping through hoops to get yeah. there and, and redoing. And it costs money to re, redo everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that, yeah, that was, that was a, and that's a big issue right now for people currently in the cannabis space. Yeah. I, I, I hear that again and again. And, and yeah, unfortunately it's uh, a misstep early can, can be, take a while to, to resolve. I mean, people are still fairly uh, sensitive and um, you know, about the, the federal regulations and, and how it impacts them. So um, yeah, get, getting, get, having a good strategy, getting good advice, having uh, a good team legal and otherwise around you to, to guide you is important. So and, and yeah. if I just, just a really like a, like a big follow-up would be that there are going to be so many, um, CBD and, and, you know, and then when we become more than nine States or where we are 10 rec now, nine yeah. or 10 now, yeah. um, that, you know, there's everybody and you know, they're, Everybody in their grandmother is going to get into um, to get into the cannabis space. So you're not going to know what products to trust. You're not going to know where it's coming from. But if you really do believe in what you're doing and and you've got a great product or you have a great vision right now is the time to brand. So just concentrate on making that brand as solid as possible. Create a really small following. Doesn't have to be, again, you know, we're, we're creating the industry. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be to go out there and make your millions right away or get hundreds of thousands of customers, you know, start grassroots because, because we can. Yeah. And that's an exciting time to be in the industry that you can do that. What? Yeah, I think, and that's a good point. It's very much about establishing beachheads, you know, getting getting a, a early following, and then as this market kind of changes and grows and matures, uh, you know, that's going to serve people well. And I think the branding is really important too. I think that's the the one thing I certainly have noticed is, you know, a big difference between, you know, a, a, a cannabis a sort of a pot culture brand uh, approach versus you know a more mainstream cannabis, both recreational and and medical. The branding and stuff has really evolved a lot, so uh, and it's yeah. fascinating. It's fascinating to watch yeah. them. So I we're agree. just we're just about at time. I want to make sure if people want to find out more about you, about Baked at Home, what's the best place to get more information? www.jennysbakedathome.com. So it's it's J E N N Y at J E N N Y S B A K E D. A-T-H-O-M-E, jennysbakedathome.com. And uh, that's my email. And then the WW is the uh, the website. Great. And I'll make, I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes so people can get to them. Jenny, this has a ple- been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I'm excited about the new things you're doing, and I'm excited to see where things go. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you so much for, for hosting this podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.